Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Founded in 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the greater Boston area and beyond. We are located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets, across from the Public Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. Sometime after the Nazi invasion of Holland, but before my friends Peter and Ruth Fleck fled for their lives, Peter went to a soothsayer. That's what he called it in his charming Dutch accent, a soothsayer. The psychiatrist's office were empty, he said, but many people were desperate to be relieved of their dread of the future. During Peter's visit with a psychic old woman who lived on one of the canals in a poor section of Amsterdam, his deceased mother appeared, terribly worried. But the fortune teller assured him that everything would be all right, he and Ruth would escape. And even though everything was certainly not all right, starting with the death of their firstborn child and ending with the murder of six million Jews. He carried this prediction, he said, like a precious stone, and its deep assurance carried him. So far, I haven't had much truck with the supernatural, but I have to admit that when coincidences converge in my life, I'm willing to imagine what it would mean to, well, take them as a sign. Coincidences being perhaps God's way of remaining anonymous. A friend from New Mexico's Nambe tribe believes in signs. He told me that if you find a feather in your path, it's a message of peace. On April 27, 1994, the day before, no, the day of the first democratic elections in South Africa. People all over the world who had worked to end apartheid held our collective breath. I was out for a run on Fresh Pond in Cambridge that morning, trying to burn off my nervous energy, praying with every step that Nelson Mandela would emerge victorious, the first president of the country he had sacrificed so much to free. And then, from high in a tree whose branches stretched out across the walkway and over the pond, two black feathers drifted down in front of me. Was it a sign? I remember saying out loud, I'll take it. And for the first time all day, my heart stopped racing. I suppose either way, the feathers would have been a comfort, though had Mandiba lost, they would have meant something quite different. But in my willingness to entertain the possibility that they were a sign, my attitude shifted for the better. Sometimes living as if we believe in something, whether or not we do, can make all the difference. If anything symbolizes evil in the Jewish and Christian cultures, it's a snake. 
In many Jewish, non-Christian cultures, though, when a snake crosses your path, it's a sign of transformation. Years ago, on our second backpacking trip into the Grand Canyon, we lost the trail. Kem stepped into some low bush, and we heard the unmistakable rattle of the snake that was coiling up next to her ankle. After a very loud expletive and a giant leap away, Kem thought this was the greatest thing ever. She was very excited about the transformation it might portend. I, on the other hand, having spent way too many hours in wilderness first aid classes, could not stop crying. In the year that followed, Kem eagerly looked for signs of transformation in her life and undoubtedly leaned in when she might not have without the cue of the snake. A few months later, she made plans for us to visit her wildly difficult father. But he died suddenly. He was finally at rest. That snake. One afternoon this past summer, hiking in the Swiss Alps, we ended up at a dead end. Doubling back, we returned to a little sign that said Chapel of St. James with an arrow pointing straight up a faint trail. As we'd passed it the first time, I'd wished we could see it, though the day was already long. But it turned out that was the only way to go, straight up. So straight up we went. High on a promontory was a tiny, lovely chapel overlooking the town far below. I imagined the devotion of the people who had built it and who worshiped there. There was no sign of a road or any other way to convey the construction materials. I thought of all of us all over the world to whose hands and hearts these sacred places have been entrusted and all of that that it asks of us. As we headed down the other side, suddenly there was a flash of gold at my feet. I'd never seen a golden snake, but I have now. A golden snake, another lost trail, another snake. What kind of transformation was it signaling? If I find out, I'll let you know. Have you ever been walking on a crowded street and spotted a friend in the distance only to realize that that friend is dead? It's happened to me. Once I even started to run as he disappeared down the steps into the subway until I realized it couldn't be he. I could have left it there. We could all leave it there. But what if instead we wondered if this was a sign? What might it be signaling to us? Being recalled to my love for that friend, I was reminded of the ways I carry his life forward. Instead of feeling devastated, I felt assured and comforted and uplifted. After the flood, the one that Noah rode out on the ark with his family and two of every animal, that biblical God who had been so angry he almost destroyed his entire creation, made a covenant with his people, a promise that he would never flood the earth again. And to seal that covenant, he drew a rainbow in the sky. At the end of a long, hard hike this summer that ended in rain, 
Cam and I sat inside, warm and dry, looking out over the last of the mountains we had crossed that day. And suddenly, there was a rainbow stretching across the trail. We were so high up that the entire arc was clearly visible, its ends suspended above the clouds. I thought, what might this rainbow promise? And what promises are we being invited to keep? Inside, next to where we were seated, was an old grandfather clock. And there, clearly inscribed on the face, were the words, Tempus Fugit, time flies. Another sign, another message, this one not yet decoded. One of my favorite moth stories was told by Cynthia Riggs. She is the eighth generation living in her family homestead on Martha's Vineyard, which she runs as a bed and breakfast. For many years, Cynthia worked as a ship's captain, and she's also the author of 11 Mysteries. Her story begins with a mystery. Seemingly out of the blue, Cynthia thought of a man named Howie. She'd known when she worked for a summer doing oceanographic research in California when she was 18 and he was 28. She remembered him because he defended her when the other guys in the lab were hazing her. And she'd introduced him to cryptograms, which her father had passed on to her from his work in the army. She'd written Howie notes, she said, on paper towels and he'd had a great time decoding them. After four months, they'd gone their separate ways and lost touch. When she thought of Howie, Cynthia Googled him, but to no avail. It was just a passing curiosity anyway. But two weeks after his name had popped into her head, a package arrived for her. The return address was just a latitude and a longitude. And inside was a bunch of yellowed paper towels with cryptograms on them. The messages she'd sent to Howie. Apparently, he'd kept the paper towels for 62 years. She'd spelled his name wrong when she, she searched, but now she had it, and coordinates that put him somewhere in Baja, California. Ultimately, Cynthia found him listed as a retired public health dentist. Interesting, she was working on a mystery called Blood Root, based on a murder in a dental office. At the insistence of some women friends, Cynthia wrote back to Howie, sending a non-committal hello to what might and might not have been his current address. He wrote back a postcard that said simply, nicer than nice to hear from you. Again, at the insistence of those same friends, Cynthia sent him a book of poetry written by her daughter who had died five years earlier. And he wrote back saying, I had a son who died at the same time as your daughter at about the same age. He sent along a CD with a piece of music composed by his son. The piece was called Cactus on Mars. Cynthia's son-in-law, her daughter's widower, a geophysicist, was evaluating research proposals for Mars. Next, Howie sent along a glass etching of Cocopelli, the Hopi fertility god. He had no way of knowing that Cynthia's father had been adopted into the Hopi tribe. 
So how many signs have to ma manifest before we're willing to pay attention? Cynthia is an avid gardener. Howie sent along seven seed packages, hollyhocks for Howie and catnip for Cynthia. And in between, L leeks, O okra, V vinca, E eggplant, and S spinach. He enclosed a note that said, in code, I have never stopped loving you. And now those same friends insisted to Cynthia, now this is a real romance. You have to go to see him. <laughs> Cynthia had no intention of doing anything of the kind. She had been married for 25 years to a brilliant but abusive man, and they'd been divorced for 35 years. She wasn't about to entertain reopening the shop. But as she says of her friends, you have no idea what these women are like. Suddenly, there was a plane ticket on her desk. I'm going to see him, she says. But now here comes a question. When I appear, is he going to have in his mind this 18-year-old that he fell in love with? I mean, I'm 81 now, and he's past 90. Bravely, Cynthia flew from Massachusetts to California to meet Howie. Two hours after her arrival, he proposed to her, and she said yes. Cynthia Riggs concludes, you'd be surprised at what you can do in letters and codes. You'd be amazed what happens when you pay attention to signs. Beloved spiritual companions, feathers, snakes, rainbows, cryptograms, someone who looks like someone we loved and lost, someone who is someone who loved us and loves us still. Is it a sign? May we be willing to entertain the possibility that a coincidence is God's way of remaining anonymous. And pay attention. Time flies. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear from you via email at office at ASCBoston.org or through our Facebook page. If you would like to support the good work of Arlington Street Church, please consider a contribution by checking the mail or through our website, ASCBoston.org.